Sean did last week. Now I'm all confused. Yeah, now it's going to get real. <laughs> Chapter 4, just verses 14 through 30, okay? Let's, let's pray first. <clears throat> Father, we, uh, we come before you tonight, Lord. Um, God, we just, as we look into your word and, and this passage especially, we can't ignore your, uh, your, your power and your presence and your, your, um, just what you, what you ordain throughout so much time that passes by, um, from when you say something's going to happen to when it happens and the way that it happens. And we just, we can't ignore your presence and your, and your, mm-hmm. your actions, uh, throughout history, God. And, um, I pray that we would, Lord, I pray that we would look deep into your word and into, um, what it has to say about us and about the things that have happened in history, Lord, and we would just find completely find your presence and your action and your plan from the beginning, Lord, and mm-hmm. as we see through your word, God. And I just uh, I pray for that tonight. I pray for your spirit to be here and to minister to us an, uh, just an awesome spirit of, of truth and of uh, just knowledge, Lord, and, and, and wisdom as we look at this passage, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of things that are just above even me, and I can only talk to them as much as I can read and, and, and study, Lord, and, um, and and the rest is what you is what you minister to us, and um, I pray that your spirit would do that here tonight, Lord, I pray you protect me from error, um, from from anything that is against your word and, and, not, and not right, Lord, and um, mm-hmm. that we would just seek you in your word and be led by logic that you've given us and reason and faith lord um to find to find your presence in our lives god we just ask these things of you in in the name of your son jesus amen Amen. ready all right okay let's read let's let's read Verse 14 is where we're going to start. It says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as, and at, and as was his custom, He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. I love that. <laughs> and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at, this great, at the gracious words coming from his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? 
And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, uh, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath, Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. <clears throat> when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. <laughs> awesome. I wish you could just go away. Just. <laughs> I like it. Go away. Alright. So, there's a lot here. A lot here. So, we're just going to go for it. I'm going to stick pretty close to my notes because I need to be able to go through this and I don't want to get too carried off to the side. So forgive me if I look a lot tonight. But I want to make sure I cover a lot of this. Okay, so uh, verse 14 and 15, we see, it says, Jesus is glorified by all. And so... He returns from the wilderness uh, by the same power that, that took him out there, the power of the Spirit. And as, as we continue and will continue to see, we see these two mentioned together a lot in Scripture when power and Spirit, when, when things uh, happen that are not things that humans can do. Um, so, <clears throat> because, and, and what's used here is this word, this Greek word, Dunamis, which is it's a power that's not people's power. It's it's inherently within and given by the Holy Spirit. So it's a power that exists there to do to do. Period. So um, that's how he gets transported around here, which is kind of crazy. Now, as we go on, it says he's being glorified by all, and he's teaching throughout the synagogues. So. He's becoming well-known somehow, and from what we've read so far, I would say that when the total fullness of the Godhead, when all members of the Trinity show up at your baptism, uh, it probably makes a scene, uh, as well as the incredible amounts of wisdom he seems to be acknowledged of the scripture he seems to be exuding. So his fame is growing and spreading. He goes around teaching in synagogues throughout Galilee. He makes such an impression that he's that he's just kind of really quickly given this place of honor. And it's not like, whoa, it's not like coolness, like stardom. It's 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 honor and the word is doxazo and it means honor, importance, and praise and glory. So when it says glorified it means glorified. Like this guy is something serious from his knowledge of scripture, the presence of the Lord, Holy Spirit on him, and the appearance of God um, with him. So they're, they're recognizing that Jesus has something something big, and that he is. Um, I just made a cool note that I 
I just sometimes I wonder like what he was teaching in the other synagogues, like so you could just hear the things Jesus was saying that nobody really knows him a lot yet, and he just kind of steps in and it's, I don't know what 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 compelled them so quickly to be like Jesus and how awesome he is, and so I don't know. It's you almost actually kind of get a sense because they always reference not. Uh, one thing we always reference in his, his teaching is his authority. Is that, that yeah. the way he teaches is with authority, and that's what distinguishes him. And I think a lot of, especially after 400 years of not hearing from yeah. God, then be a little bit, well, you know, could. And he gets in there and is like, this is what's up. And I think that probably is one of the main things that distinguish, uh, yeah. other than just the, in general, the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I think that's key because you're ta- he's talking to people who. Mm-hmm. People in the synagogue, like especially those that are employed there, right? Rabbis and things like it's their it's their but to Jews in general, it's their lifestyle to know the scriptures. To know them. And 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 so in their in their great knowledge, because they spend their whole life studying them, they are still somehow um, really impressed by what he has to say about them. <clears throat> <laughs> okay, so here's the question. Why does here's the question though, is why does Jesus why does he just stand up to do a reading of the scripture? We see he's teaching throughout all these synagogues. This is the only one that's really mentioned where he I mean that I find that he really that he is slated to be a reader of the scripture. So um it says, as was his custom. So he goes back to his hometown, and um, as was his custom, he goes to the, the sin, his local synagogue. So throughout now, up to now, and even further on, we see him. He goes to synagogues, and he teaches because he exudes this authority about Scripture. He's, he, he's recognized as this, this kind of rabbinic person, and he can teach on to, on the Scripture. But here he comes, and they give him a scroll and, and to read it, and... So it says, as was his custom. This is this is uh, this is not just like a ceremonial ritualistic worship meeting. This is this is like a this is a Sabbath like devotional meeting. So it's the Sabbath, and they're showing up. And this is what they do: is they they read and they pray and they sing songs and and study the scriptures together. And and in your hometown, at pretty much at the church that you're a member of, um, you would be you would be. It would rotate to people that would read, that would stand up to do readings of the scripture, <clears throat> and then somebody would teach on that. And so Jesus reads here in Nazareth because this is his home church. This is where he's from, and he shows up, and this is his custom. He goes and and, and he gets to read today. Also, it's kind of important to note that they read the same scripture on the same day every year. Interesting. So uh, I didn't, I never really ran into that until uh, there's a big kind of to do thing about when uh, it's our was uh, mm-hmm. assassinated. Yeah. They pull up, what they do is they, this, it's customary to read the same scripture on the same day, but what they do is they, they sit and they shuffle the spaces around and they find some secret meaning or something like that. But, <laughs> but well, I mean, yes. that's what they do. I have but seen that for but uh, they, it, they're slated, and, and it's probably a section, they're probably reading out of that whole general area, but they're slated to read the same amount, the same area of scripture every Every April, whatever, every April 19th, they read the same thing every year. 
Interesting. And, uh, so they do that in a daily thing, but then this Sabbath ones are more special. Huh. Yeah, there's cool. some interesting stuff about uh, Jesus' birth, like the parallels, because uh, prior to his birth, the angel goes to Zechariah that same day Zechariah goes in. I was reading uh, Matthew Henry, and he said, according to Dr. Lightfoot, that uh, there was that that parallels the same like that passage for that day would have been the day that um, they would have read about Samson and as the story goes John the baptizer would have not drank alcohol touch grapes Nazarite vow so it's kind of an interesting parallel plus Zechariah and Elizabeth bearing for a long time same thing with Samson's mother bearing Hmm. for a long time so the Lord did cool stuff with that anyways about it. And for a synagogue to happen, you have to have 10 adult males, and uh, Nazareth would have been very hard to have that many, 10 adult males, and they would, like you said, they rotate through the 10 males mm-hmm. to read, but teaching was a very high honor, and it wasn't something that you could do unless you had been educated to a certain level right. when it came to it. I think it's really cool, too, that they taught through the Bible. They did, I mean, they read through the Bible, they were going through constantly, like you were saying, as opposed to cherry-picking, you know, your three verses that fit... Um, Mm. And they would usually read um, different sections. Um, and so it wasn't just like Isaiah. They would just take a section from Isaiah every year and do it. They would read, you know, the, from the Torah, from the prophets, and from the wisdom, and they'd kind of work their way through. From so what I read, I think it, it, it actually takes at least the ten people mm-hmm. to even do all the reading and teaching. Yeah, which is why the requirement is. So they have seven same. readers and then a, and then a rabbi mm-hmm. and two two it also relates to the conversation Abraham with God will you save ten men <laughs> in the city and that was part of why they chose it so there would be ten good men in the city yeah. how do you find that I just find that right. so in 17, verse 17 to 20 he gets, given, he gets given this scroll and he finds his place so as we go a little bit deeper into this we're going to begin to see kind of like the divine orchestration of, of what's going on here um, in, in Jesus getting to read this particular particular passage. So he's conveniently given this scroll of Isaiah today, and he pulls out and he says it says he finds he finds the place he found the place where it's written, um, and he's actually he actually kind of combines two passages from Isaiah here. It's parts of two different passages. The bulk of it is from is is from Isaiah uh, 58, um, which yes, he says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then the other one that's not that's that's in his quote, but not in 658, is from Isaiah 60. Oh, sorry, I did that backwards. That was 61. <laughs> the other part is in Isaiah 58. Um, he says, Is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? And uh, yeah, there's some weird context around Isaiah 58 that I thought was interesting, but I don't have time to into tonight. Also, additionally, note that he doesn't finish all of Isaiah 61, verse 2. He skips He skips part of the verse, and the rest of it goes on to say, and the year of the Lord's vengeance, um, which is also something I didn't have time to go into tonight, but mm-hmm. it's a pretty interesting 
subject, um, you know, we were pointing to mm -hmm. his second his second coming as he goes forward. Mm -hmm. <coughs> so he kind of commingles these two scriptures together, and I think everybody here understands what we mean when we talk about the scriptures, and the, we're talking about what we know now as the Old Testament when they say the scriptures. They didn't have a New Testament yet because it's not written yet. <laughs> um, and then even when it is, they're not going to read it in the synagogue because um, they're going to reject it. The Jews are going to reject Jesus as the Messiah, so um, they're going to kind of stick with the, old, with the Old Testament scriptures. So, uh, what they read from, these scriptures, you got, the, you got a lot of things, but what the things that they live by is the law that they have in the scripture, primarily of Moses, and then the prophets and the things that the prophets came and delivered these messages from God to his people. Now, the law is pretty easy to understand. It is and it isn't. It's difficult. Over the years, it becomes more and more difficult in its intricacy. But the concept of law is easy to understand. It's very straightforward. God gives them rules. He says, do this. Don't do this. Uh, give this much, sacrifice these animals in these ways. It's ceremonies and rituals and rules that are meant to ultimately, most of them, you know, meant to ultimately represent something in different, in different ways. Those are pretty straightforward. It says here it is, it's plain. But you get to the, you get to the prophets and you get some different, you get some, some mixed signals. So most of the time, a lot of the time, the prophets come, and it's a message from God uh, by whatever means. This is coming. This is happening. Turn from your wickedness, or this is going to happen. It's it's judgment or or safety or some message for them that's about to happen. Um, but all spread throughout the prophetic writings is um, there's a, a bunch of stuff that is, is talked about and mentioned that either doesn't make any sense to them. There's no way they could have really known what that meant because it's it's just out there. It's abstract kind of, or it's stuff that even if it made sense, it, it never it didn't happen, and um, or hasn't happened yet. We'll see yet. <clears throat> so as they study, as as Israel studies these books. Um, books of the law, you got, so the first five that Moses writes, uh, and even into the, even into the Psalms, um, and the prophets, so all of these writings, even the law, um, have these things, it becomes clear to them, they understand through the reading of scripture that God is giving them things and telling them things that are pointing to a coming king that's going to, that's going to make right, uh, their nation's broken status under other people's rule, and they've They've kind of developed it into this concept of this king that's going to come and reign and just just lift them up from their enemies and they're going to rule over everybody, you know. And, and uh, it's this entire earthly, you know, overall victory thing that's been, which is why when Jesus shows up and says, "That's me," they don't they don't really buy it because he didn't swoop in on his horse with a sword and start destroying the enemies. And, so, uh, but you've got a lot of stuff in here, like what Jesus quotes here, that's not, that wouldn't have made sense to them. And some of it is, some of it is things that you literally, you, there's no way you could even understand what it meant, because it's talking about specific actions that are years and years and years 
away. Even conceptually, you couldn't you couldn't have known. It would be like if in 1890 I said, "Dude, there's going to be this ship and it's got rockets on it," and you're like, "What's a rocket?" And then it's going to go and land on the moon, and guys are going to get out and walk around, and you wouldn't even understand what that could look like or mean because it just doesn't. The concept doesn't exist. So uh, that's kind of what happens, I, I think, with with a lot of these scriptures that are just kind of nonsensical to them. Like, they don't know what to make of them. And I think uh, I think this is uh, I think this is one of the greatest threads through the Bible, and, and ultimately it results in, when you start to read a lot of them, it becomes one of like the greatest apologetics of the Bible to defend itself. Um, you have all these passages that in their time and context would don't really make a lot of sense across hundreds of years or more written by t- different authors hundreds of years apart spans of time and 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 all of them independently are kind of kind of maybe nonsense to some of the people that were there they might be alluding to something but it's just a, it's just an idea it's a concept that they can't really grasp and then here we have Jesus that shows up and then ties all of them together into just himself mm-hmm. right now <clears throat> and uh, I think it's I think it's pretty hard to ignore when you can start to read through this stuff and be like look what Isaiah writes look what Dave you know and, um, these things that these things that these guys write that wouldn't you know uh, like the suffer the concept of the suffering servant that Isaiah writes about um, you know by, when they say things like by his stripes through his stripes were healed and he's going to be led to the slaughter like a lamb that's going to be silent nobody knows what that means so we fortunately get the get the awesome gift of hindsight to look back and go like God pretty much had his handled to bring all these things to bring all these things together. So I think this is where this quote from Isaiah, because of that, because of that concept, um, is where we're gonna where we're gonna spend the bulk of our time today. So I read this, I read this and really I read it a couple times, just the quote, just verses 18 and 19, and and was kind of like, well, I mean, when you just read it, you're like, oh yeah, that sounds great, priests of goodness and the poor and the blind and this, and, but then I'm reading it, and I'm like, what does that really mean? Like, we look back now on Jesus' ministry and his work, his atoning work, and it's, it's, it's all eternal stuff. It's, it's, it's eternal stuff for all, for all people, right? And why is he saying these things that seem to be kind of temporal here? You know, the poor people and captives and blind and oppressed. It just didn't make sense to me when you just read it. So I basically decided to just kind of do a word study through the key words in those two verses. Um, and that's going to be the heavy part of it. However, I wanted, I'm going to skip over it for a second and jump to verse 21. Um, and then we'll go back to 18 and 19. So <clears throat> he reads this passage, and then he sits down. And verse 21, I decided to call it the mic drop. I thought it was fitting. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, he reads this passage that they're going, that's a great, it's a great passage, right? But we don't, we don't understand what that means. And he says, well, let me tell you, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. So he says, 18 and 19, Isaiah said this, and he's like, 
That's me. It just it just happened. Okay, it's right. It's right now. These things that you didn't know, you guys have been working for years. Nobody knows what this means. I'm telling you, put it all together. It's me right now, and it's gonna we're gonna go forward, and this is happening. So uh, that that's a pretty big deal. And somebody shows up and is like, hey, I know what this means. And not only that, it's me. Um, so now we'll go back to 18 and we'll just start from, we'll just start kind of line by line. Okay? So, you guys got anything yet? There we go. Down I gotta stand for a minute because I need to. Just <laughs> Alright. <laughs> if you think about us reading the scripture today, if you read your Bible today, did the Lord come and say, I just, that's me? <laughs> and this is what it means? And we don't get it? They didn't get it. God, we still do that all the time. We still do it. <laughs> and that's what he's saying. Every mm -hmm. time we sit down in front of him, he's ready to say, I just said this. This is me. And this is what it means yeah. for you today, <laughs> right now. Mm -hmm. Now, yep. today you heard, you just heard that. So what are you waiting for? What are you, I mean, the, the challenge is on us. Yeah, yeah. It's an opening of the eyes kind today, of thing. Huh? Today, yeah. it's always today. Not some ministry later on. Not some mm -hmm. understanding there's something to understand every day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty pointed out in the kinds of things he mentions here in this passage. Too, like this is what you're anointed to do. All these things there might be a good ministry name. The word for today. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Oh, it's something to think about. Something to pray about. <laughs> I think it's taken, actually, isn't it? Yeah. Who has that word for today? Oh, I was like, <laughs> I don't listen to work. Anyway, so. Anyways, <laughs> going forward. <Word> study time. Or a man. I'm sure everybody has one. That's a great name. Is it word? Chuck Smith had, had like a radio broadcast. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, all right. Pull it together, people. Okay, so first thing he says, the Spirit has anointed. Okay? I didn't make slides today, but I just want to write the words down. Okay, so anointed. No, that's the light. You can read this. Did I even spell it right? Yeah, okay. He's anointed, all right? It's interesting. It's a special kind of anointed. We see different... Can you get him another pen? <laughs> <laughs> we see different kinds of anointing in the Bible. You have think people that are anointed to do things that usually consists of like pouring oil all over your head and then going, go and do this. <laughs> and then <laughs> by prophets. So, but this, this is different. It's especially... This word, I don't know, they're in a black box in there. It's this word, what, how do I even say it? Creo. Okay? And it means, it's literally where we get the word later, we'll, we get the word Christos from. So it is. Is that okay? Yeah. 
Christ. Saying he's anointed as Christ by the Holy Spirit. It's the anointed one, the Christ. Okay, it's not like someone's poured oil on my head so and told me that I this is what God wants me to do. He's saying, the Holy Spirit is upon me because I'm this person. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Alright. So he goes on from there, and he's gonna say, proclaim the good news. Alright, proclaim the good news. And then there's who's the subject in there that he's proclaiming to? The poor. The poor. That see, that was the first part that I got to. It didn't make sense to me. I'm like, well, he didn't just he didn't just preach to poor people, right? So what is he talking about? So these words, this is actually a cluster of words. Literally proclaim good news. It's just one word that we translate into this. We also say it as preach or good news or it's also where it's what we get gospel from it's evangelizo and it means gospel and it's to preach to preach the gospel what <laughs> could you say it means to gospel someone <laughs> to gospel someone yeah maybe <laughs> to gospel that's a great ministry name <laughs> to the gospel you're about to get gospel. <laughs> Rat snuggles. <laughs> the good news. Okay, so we got the calendar. Alright, so the next question is that part's pretty easy to understand. The question I had was who's the poor? Who's the poor? Okay, so we know the gospel's not only for poor people. Otherwise, we better start giving some stuff away in this country. Um, so, what does he mean? To proclaim the good news to the poor. This word... Sorry, I have a lot of Greek tonight, but I don't even know all of it. So Do it. I just like to spell the words. Can you say it, John? Pachos. Wrong. No. I'm reading it from your paper, so... <laughs> it's weird. It's actually... It's, it's P-T next to each other, and you're supposed to pronounce both of them. So it's... Pito... It's weird. I listen to the pronunciation thing like a whole bunch of times. It's two letters, two consonants, and you pronounce both of them without a vowel in between. So it means it means poor in the sense of helpless. Helpless. Okay? One who in his abject, I'm not gonna say off his if you have the notes, it's there. Um, it's not financially poor. It is one that's in, in his abjectness, needs lifting. And the particular part we want to talk about is fallen from a better state. So would it be like those without it? Like those who without the gospel? So like everybody? No? Yeah, well, yes. You just gave away the whole sermon, but thanks he a lot. <laughs> no, he means yeah. Well, ultimately, it's, it, what he's getting at is everybody and why. Is the part is people who have fallen from a better state. Okay, so it doesn't mean you don't have any money. It means you've fallen from a better state. What does that mean? Okay, so it's everybody, as the Lord says. Um, it's everybody throughout all of history, um, starting from Genesis chapter 3 with 
the first two people. I would say that it is an understatement to say that Adam and Eve fell from a better state. Um, that's a really simplistic way of putting it, but that's what that's what essentially what happens. They were definitely in a better state. They had a perfect creation given to them. God said, take this, rule over it, subdue it, it's yours, take care of it, I want you to handle this. And they gave it up. So, uh, I would call that a better state. And every person since then um, has been born into the same state that they fell into. We are born into the fallen state of rebellion against this creator. Okay, so this is everybody. I'm just, I'm just going to write everyone. So that's the poor. Okay, so... The sentence reads, preach the gospel to everyone. I think, that's, I think that sounds pretty good. So, the next thing he says, what's next? Liberty. Liberty. To who? Captives. Captives. Liberty to the captives. All right? So, liberty is this word, aphesis. Okay? And it means, it means forgiveness. What else does it mean? Forgiveness. Remission. Remission. To release, specifically this one, to release the sins from the sinner. Okay? So there's other forms of liberty you could use that just are going to imply freedom. And this is to release the sins from the sinner. Sinner, I will continue to sum it up in forgiveness, but I like that it's pointed at broken people. It's to release the sins from the sinner. So it is, it's, it, it, the word itself, just that word all by itself, is pointing, is pointing to the cross. It's pointing to the, it's pointing to the atonement. And um, going forward, and that's why a great reason why it's so key here. It's like Jesus saying, I can't even do this for these captives. And it kind of implies who the captives are. The word itself implies who the captives are. To release sins from the sinner implies you're talking about you need to be you're gonna be liberated from the sins. That means you're the sinner. So the captives are the sinners. Okay? And so, comes to proclaim forgiveness to sinners. Good? Mm-hmm. All right. Recovery of sight. I, gotta, I can't write this well. i got to erase some stuff. Next we have, what's next on there? Sight. Recovery of sight, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To the blind. All right. Recovery, I'm not going to write this part because recovery of sight is literally a word, another word cluster. And I remember like a few weeks ago, I brought up this question, like when you're reading, if you guys ever look at Greek stuff to find out where words come from, we translate things. And there's sometimes when if you use like a concordance or a, or a Strong's book, whatever, it'll tell you like the same word two times. Or if you go to like BibleStudyTool.com and you can look up the references, it'll have the same word twice next to each other. And I was trying to figure out if if the Greek text actually had the same word twice, you know, and I found out recently, so it's 
clusters of words and they're linked together. It's a single Greek word and we translate them into two or three or four English words. And then when they put it in the Bible for you to read in a whatever, even an interlinear, it just is going to have the same word all the way through. So you can click on any word in the cluster and it takes you to the same word. <coughs> so recovery of sight is one of those. And it means really just plainly to recover your sight. Um, but, so the question is, the blind. Who are the blind? Because Jesus definitely did not only give sight to blind people. And this word in Greek is tuflos, right? Yeah. Okay, and it means it's physically And or <clears throat> I'm gonna write that differently. It's physically, it can also be mentally blind. It's kind of what we just talked about. So it's not just people that can't see with their eyeballs, it's people that can't see what he's saying people that have been, it's these people right here. That's kind of everybody up to that point, right? And, and as Frank just said, even a lot of us now is we read God's word, but we don't, we don't see it. And it's, it's what's quoted in, uh, in Matthew, Matthew 13 even says it. Um, it's quoting also, I, uh, yeah, Isaiah also. Where's that in Isaiah, you know? <sighs> Did I reference it anywhere? <laughs> Matthew says, quoting Isaiah, this is why I speak to them in Jesus talking. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their eyes they can barely, or with their ears, they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. <coughs> so there's this element of seeing, but you're not seeing. Okay? That's what he's talking about. I came to tell you guys what you're not understanding. What you've been unable to see, which he's doing right now. Yeah. You don't know what this was, and I'm telling you, I'm standing. It's, it is standing in front of you. This passage is standing in front of you. What Isaiah said. That's an amazing passage. Oh, where, sorry, I didn't finish that. that. Where is he? Jesus quoting yeah. that from? He's quoting six, six nine right after, oh, right okay. before, okay. or right after Isaiah gets his call from the Lord after he sees the Lord high and lifted up. Oh, I seraphim. Which is kind of crazy. Crazy. Because that I believe is right. Uh, that's right, but. Right before that is a passage that we abuse a lot. I believe it's from it from the beginning of six, mm -hmm. where Jesus it's the vision that Isaiah has, right? Right before that, with the angels and the coal on his lips and, and he's like, Who's gonna go? And Isaiah says, Here I am, send me and we make songs about it and and uh, I love how Jalen always totally bashes people that use well, he's like, sent to fail. Yeah. But he alley oops Jesus who here just slam dunks and like now I'm getting the 
the harvest yeah. that Isaiah couldn't so, get. Isaiah's like, send me, Lord. And Jesus is like, okay, <laughs> here's what I want you to do. Go to these people and say, um, tell them, you can hear, but you're never going to understand. You can see, but you're never going to perceive. Your eyes are closed. Your ears are closed. Your hearts are closed. Or else I would have healed you. By I, would have, I would have made right what's wrong. He's telling them to go to these people and say, you're blowing it, and then and then that they're that they're gonna reject you. He just sent him into into a ministry that he told him was gonna fail. Uh, I guess fail. We'll, we'll quote fail, right? Cause right. It's not because that's what God said to do. But I don't think a lot of people really read that in context when they put it on shirts and their mission logos and says, "Send me, Lord." Well. Uh, look at what look at what he asked him to do first before you say send me <laughs> count the cost it's awesome though because he goes for the glory of the Lord only yeah he just preaches against these guys that's such the a glory cool thing when we watch the when we watch the prophets in the Old Testament it's like they're not my we have we have one of the, the Veggie Tales movies on Jonah there's a the full length movie I've seen it on Jonah and they have all these like song and dance numbers about like the message from the Lord and all this stuff and it's like he's <laughs> it's like this Mary Poppins number about hey there's a message from the Lord and it's like what's the word Jonah and all these people <laughs> just and, and I think it really actually depicts it really well it's just like then it's like mm, go to these people and tell them I'm gonna destroy him and <laughs> And and then was, and then Jonah is such a great picture of that because he's like, no, <laughs> he's like, I'm great as long as you keep me in places that are safe and comfortable with people that like me and you just only give me a good word for these safe people. But you sent me out there, you asked me to go there. I don't know, but and and he's a special case. But you know, uh, the prophets often in Old Testament get sent people. That don't like them, some are going to are going to kill some of them um, with words from the Lord that are of judgment. And in fact, most of a lot of Isaiah and the bulk of Jeremiah is words of judgment and destruction and captivity because of disobedience and awesome stuff. So, judgment is fair. Yeah. So, seeing but not seeing, you can't see. And he came to open the eyes of these people, to restore the sight to people that are not perceiving, not understanding. So as well, I mean, he's also going to cure people that are physically blind. So he fits both. He's not, it's not one half, but he's going to do both of them. But um, this is how it applies to everybody. All right. So point six here, we have liberty to those who are oppressed. Liberty is kind of the same words before uh, this one was kind of hard for me but we have oppressed people who are oppressed so this this gosh this one was wrong. I'm still not even completely 100% on it if you guys think a different opinion I'd like to hear it but um, so but I'm just going to put this out there. Where did I say this is? Okay, so this word is throw, and it means to break. Oh, spelling. 
I'm just going to use the one that says break into pieces for writing it. There's something wrong. Something wrong. All right. Scientific fact. You can't spell you know, like, I, I feel like I'm actually kind of like a writer. I think I've told you that. I have kind of like this writer's mind. Like, I sit down and I can type and then just go for stuff. And when you get done, if you put it in, if you open it in Word, it'll all be red, you know, because the spelling is just like, but I can just write words and words and words and words. And, but it, I spell terribly, so. Even words I know, like, write, like pieces, I know how to spell, but just in writing, it'll be, it'll just be wrong, so. So it's also to shatter, to smite. Um, so I think this, I think this seems to point to people that are that are physically broken. So uh, there's in the the King James, the old King James says, um, "Him who is bruised." Um, is it was a different was it how it's translated there? Um, and I think it's pointing to Jesus' Jesus' ministry of physical healing and restoration of people's bodies that we're going to see. Um, in scripture, and we know that lots of it took place that's not written about as well. That he went healing, he's healed people all over the place in scripture. Well, he not only healed them physically, but he also released them from their sin. Correct. It's kind of like it's kind of like a whole package, huh? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like by it's almost, but I, I would say it's almost a little bit backwards. So it's like his gospel presentation to people as he goes around is healing sick that opens their mind to perceive who he is and the message he's bringing, mm -hmm. which is liberty, forgiveness from sins, right? Which is which is forgiveness from sins through Jesus is the gospel to us who need it, the sinners. And so it sort of just works works backwards. It's like they have something in front of them that is so close to their face. We talked about this in youth where the, the, whatever the ailment is is so big that they can't see. And so Jesus comes in and takes that away. And then they can go, oh my gosh, you're right. I'm a sinner. I had some issues. You know, I had some issues, and I think that's that's where Christians have really camped for a really long time, like D.L. Moody and some of these other people who, you know, go into places and take care of these people's needs, so that then they can have the opportunity. Because if you're worried about where your next meal is coming from, you're not necessarily thinking too much about, you know, well, am I going to go to heaven or am I going to go to hell? You know, who's Jesus to you? I'm sorry. Is Jesus yeah. the name of the burger that you want to give me? Because I'm starving, right? <laughs> um, you know, so I think. I think what Jesus is doing is he's painting a picture for us, but he's also, he's just explaining how humans work. We get yeah. so focused on this little insignificant thing. If I take this PowerPoint clicker that works about one-fourth of the time, and I put it in front of me, I mean, it's as big as the universe to me. Um, and it's really a, quite a small thing in God's hands. And God goes, plink, pulls it out of my way, and I go, oh my gosh, you're right. I am, you can't even see yourself when that's in front of you. And mm -hmm. so that's what he's done with these things. And you're right, it's the physical, it's the emotional, it's the oppressed we're too busy worried i mean if you're an oppressed person you know you're not thinking about you know your salvation you're thinking about how do we get out from underneath some underneath the nazis or the you know the party that runs our country that kind of thing you know right. that type of stuff so so i just i just as i was reading it i just kind of i was like i got all these pieces now but i want to put it together and make it make sense so i kind of just um paraphrased it in a way like this that i think that I think for me helped me understand exactly what he's saying. He said, oh, I made a statement about the passage, rather, not paraphrasing Jesus' word. Jesus is empowered by the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel to all who have sinned and to set, set those sinners free from the power of sin that they are held captive by. 
and to heal the blind and open our minds to the gospel. And he will show us his power through his ministry of healing to the broken physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Does that sit well with everybody? Mm -hmm. All right. <clears throat> so, after I read it and I was like, I don't really get what he just said there. Broke it down. That's kind of what I came up with. This is what Jesus is saying he's here to do. He's saying, this is what Isaiah said. Someone's coming to do this. I'm sending someone that's going to do this. Okay, that's going to release people from the bondage of sin, preach the gospel to them, and heal people, uh, and open your eyes to perceive my, my word and my will for you. And Jesus is saying, that's me. And that's a big deal. And then he says, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. <clears throat> we were kind of finalizing some thoughts on this right before we started tonight because it's a, it's a big subject in the Old Testament that I didn't dive crazy deep into, but it's a reference to what's called the year of Jubilee. Um, it comes from Leviticus, uh, Leviticus 25 is where the bulk of it's in. Um, in 25.10, God tells them, And you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land and all its inhabitants. And it shall be a jubilee for you when you shall, re when, uh, you shall return to his property. Uh, and each of you shall return to his clan. Um, should be a year for you when you neither sow nor reap. Uh, everything. So it's kind of like it's a Sabbath year. And we were talking, they had... They had kind of these 50-year cycles, um, Israel did. And God said, these, there's these 49 years, and every seven years you take a Sabbath year where you don't plant any crops. And, and then every 50th year is a year of Jubilee. And basically, you could, you could work yourself into debts, um, things that you owe that you couldn't pay, and you might give up land to settle a debt or even sell yourself into servitude to settle a debt or your children, uh, your whatever uh, people, so your own slaves, yourself, or your property um, could be sold to other people or or given as payment for your debts that you couldn't pay. Um, and God, God tells them, tells Israel, every 50 years, you're gonna, every man is going to be redeemed to his property. And the word, the word used, yeah, is, is, is redeemed. Your property is going to be redeemed. Your slaves, if they're yours, will be redeemed. You will be redeemed out of servitude if you sold yourself into it <coughs> every 50 years. He says, I'm just resetting. It's a reboot. you got to come back to where you were and be in that right standing again and start fresh. So... I mean, that's, I would have never put those together until I did this study. I would never put that together. To see, God said, listen, you're in debt. You, you, you've dug yourself into a hole, and you've had to stick in it for this long. And I'm saying, here, I'm giving you a time where these debts are going to be released and let go. And Jesus says, I'm here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Your debt is going to be released. God's here to redeem you from what you've sold yourself into, from the bondage that you put yourself into, starting from Adam and Eve, Jesus said. So 
says the year of the Lord's favor is here to break you and let to, to get you let go of that. That's cool because in Romans eight also he says um, he says so then brothers we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Hmm. Yeah. So that theme of debt, we who have experienced the Spirit, tasted the Spirit, and have Him are part of that. And we're not debtors of the flesh, and our flesh kind of comes around and says, you owe me, it's been a while. And he, you look at your flesh and say, I don't owe you anything, actually. I owe it all to Jesus now. Yeah, because he came and redeemed, redeemed me from it. So sweet. It's awesome. So there's some more stuff in Leviticus that speaks to that. I'm not going to tackle, uh, I'm not going to tackle all of it tonight. <clears throat> it's a cool parallel, though. And I guess what we will do is listen to Frank preach through Leviticus that we just started and it's, I think it's, I'm excited when we get to these parts as we can see how that points to Jesus and the Gospels so alright so verse 23 through 27 they're going to reject reject the prophet and God's going to send him somewhere else so Jesus shows up. It's interesting because I don't know that they quoted that they actually said this yet because he just cut him off at the path and said, you're going to quote this to me to do this and give me these signs and do these tricks. And um, he just cuts it off before they start. And he says, you guys are going to reject me because no prophet accepted in his hometown. And this is why. Um, and he gives, um, and he is going to be rejected by his hometown. He's going to give two examples that reference God not just ministering to people, not just some people that would reject him, but then ministering to people that are outside, mm-hmm. outside people, which is probably a big no-no to say when you're standing mm-hmm. in the synagogue. So when you understand it, he's saying, yeah, Elijah and Elisha, yeah, God sent them not to you guys. He sent them to these people and only one of them. And it wasn't, it wasn't Israel. He only healed this person. He only helped this person that was outside. And and ultimately, it's because you rejected him. And uh, so I think that they're probably, I, that would be understandable that they get upset at that, right? There are these God's chosen people, and he has this covenant with us as an ethnicity and not with other people. And But he's like, well... Yeah, but you see that God still, mm-hmm. he's out here. Even way back then, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus is here to expand his covenant to, uh, to other people, but even way back here. And Elijah, he's like, if you reject him, God can just as well carry more. And it's just what John says, uh, that from, the, from these stones, God can raise some children of Abraham. And, uh, Part of the reason Jesus quote said, you're not going to give me another sign other than Jonah. Yes. <laughs> Who did Jonah go to? Ninevites. He didn't go to Israel. He went to the Ninevites and saved the whole city. He's like, you're not going to get any more. There it is. Here it is, too. Wow. You know? He's pointing. He's pointing to this. You guys aren't getting it. He's pointing to this new covenant, and they're just like, what? You know, I don't think so. And, and so they're going to kill him, which... Uh, kind of on the by is as we discussed like on uh, our Good Friday service was totally illegal because only only the Roman ruler only Rome could proclaim a death sentence on somebody so they're about to just 
murder, I mean, cold blood. And again, take whatever penalty comes upon them. Who, who, who received the, the first gospel? You know, the Ninevites did. They didn't kill Jonah. And the lady, this widow, received Elijah. And Naaman received the word from Elijah. Yeah. And they're not going to receive it. They're not receiving any of it. <laughs> so they are insulted to the point of murder. Have you guys ever been insulted to the point of murder? It'd be pretty hard to do. I've been, call, I've been called a lot of things, but... It's every other day. Paul, be careful where I'm part. So, but here's the thing is that, what, kind of what we just were talking about, they should have been convicted to repentance, but instead they're enraged and, and, and they're in wrath and anger. It kind of reminds me of what happened, what's been going on lately with a lot of the people that um, get so enraged and furious about homosexuality um, and where it's you know you get someone like John Piper recently just spoke out on it and talked about he did he, yeah he, he, he really <laughs> laid it out there and so people were picketing him and there were people you know leaving him voicemail messages and doing just awful awful things and they're enraged and instead of listening in what he actually said which is we're not saying you're going to hell but we're saying that if you don't recognize God's authority in your life which says what you're doing is wrong you're going to hell they're just enraged and they're furious and they and that's the wrong response. And, you know, and I see this, Katie and I, we've talked about this a lot too. And, you know, our response to sin and response to being called to account for sin really shows where our heart is, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I can tell where she's at. She can tell where I'm at when we say, hey, you know what, that's a pretty crap attitude. And she goes, yeah, well, so. Yeah. And, you know, or vice versa. When I, you never do that. I'm talking about me. I just didn't want it to sound like it. When, when I do that. When you in my house, that's me. Me recording the hyphen that up. Exactly. Well, but, you know, when, when our response is, and she said this to me just the other day, she said, you know, that's not right. And I was like, well, who are you? And she's like, and your response shows me that your heart's not right. And I was just like, well, and I want to murder, you know? I mean, that's what I think so that I think that's the I think that's the key of where what you're talking about is you know the the response right. to you get married right <laughs> no I don't want to murder well her okay, all, it's, I the response. it's the same thing uh, the head of uh, Rock for Life Brian Kemper said something I think it was either today or yesterday he said uh, if abortion is so fine it's so cool it is totally awesome and there's no problem with it why why do people get so upset when we refer to them as pro-abortionists mm-hmm. and no it's pro-choice you know, you know seriously your guilt is evident huh. mm-hmm. they won't even they won't even yeah. yeah. alright so they should have been convicted but they're not um, mm-hmm. so aside from that being totally wrong Jesus Jesus just Walk, he just walks through them and he's like, I gotta go. So, um, and that, I mean, really, we see he's not afraid of death because when his time comes, he submits knowing he's gonna die. So, it's really just that his time hasn't come and he knows it. And so, his time is not time yet for him to die. So, he just passes through them. I don't know what that looked like. I wish I could have seen it. Well, but think about it. If you, if you think about <laughs> the angels in Sodom, they were blinded. What, what happened to them? They were blinded. Who are these? These guys are. He went to preach the, the yeah. gospel to the blind. To the blind. Yeah. And 
So he just would have walked. You, if you had fifty blind people, could yeah. you pass through them? Yeah, that's what. That's what I wonder. Is like, did he like in train? Did he like go transparent and just go like Casper through everybody, or was it like he just walked through? He was just like, excuse me, guys, and nobody realized. And suddenly they're like. Wait, where's the guy we just came to push off this cliff? Or it's like one of those comedies where they're all jumping on top of the pile, and then the he just squeaked out, out, and they're all like, let's get him! <laughs> so he just goes on his way, and as we see, he goes somewhere else. And doesn't go back. And he preaches there, he doesn't go back. He doesn't go back. Better stuff to do. So, in, basically, we gotta tie all that together, briefly. <laughs> so, Jesus came to do all the things that Isaiah said that this person was going to come to do. He came to do these things. He quotes a, br- a short piece of them here um, in, 18, in verse 18 and 19. But he came, as he's telling us, he came to do them for everyone. And he's going to do them for Jews and including Gentiles. But his own people are going to reject him unto un- un- death. So I didn't do all this word study stuff, and I hope you didn't take it this way, just to like be informative, because um, that's not what it's about. There's got to be a purpose behind it. For me, it helped me understand it a lot better, um, to where I could get I could get an uptake better on that. So what is it really? What I, what do you really draw out of it? And so essentially, it's a brief, but I think pointed application and a little bit convicting um, to me is. The gospel is all over God's word. It's all over it. And so the question is, do we see it? And then the question before that is, do you understand it? Do you understand the gospel? Okay, so can we, we should be able to read this and take this passage and say, and look at this and see if we take all the subjects mentioned in verse 18, the poor, the captive, the blind, the oppressed... It spells out the fallen state of mankind. That's us. We're helpless, fallen from a better state, captive to sin, blind and without understanding, oppressed by the state of the fallen world in physical and spiritual and emotional and emotional things that we deal with all the time that didn't that weren't intended to be there in the original creation. All the subjects mentioned there is us. But if we take all the actions mentioned by Isaiah there, Proclaim the good news, that's the gospel, to bring liberty and recover sight and to set free or set at liberty from the oppression. It spells out what Jesus did for us through his work and ministry and death and resurrection. It spells out that. You put all those things together, so you take all the subjects and you apply all the actions and you get the gospel. And you got to do them backwards. You got to do them the subjects first because you don't have the good news without the bad news. So you have to take, who the, you have to look, who is he talking about? Who is he addressing? And the answer is us, because we fit that description. Poor, captive, blind, oppressed. Mm-hmm. And then you take what he says he came to do, and that's, that's the gospel. And the question is, do we, can, can, we, can we read through God's word <coughs> with that mindset? Are we, are we looking at God's word and looking for the gospel through it? Because that's what's there. And for me, it takes things like this and looking at what does this really mean? What's he saying? And suddenly 
it's I was blind to it before and now I understand it. I can read it and be like, wow, that's Isaiah. And he is just blanketing, he's just point he's just laying out what Jesus what Jesus is gonna do hundreds of years later. So I guess that's really where I went with it is is do we understand the gospel and as we read the Bible, do we find it? Do we find the gospel in God's scripture wherever we're reading, including and, and especially the Old Testament? Because Jesus did. <laughs> right there. He said, I am he I am the gospel, but these guys are talking about it way back here. Yep. And it all it all leads to Christ. And we read God's word with that, it all really leads to Christ's work to the glory of the Creator. And read your Bibles that way. Okay? I spent a lot of years of blowing through blowing through Old Testament passages and uh, it's you see him in everything. It changes it. It changes it when you say I'm gonna read God's word in its entirety with the gospel as the in as as the end run there. The gospel for God's glory. Because mm-hmm. those are the two main things. It's God's glory is why he said it. He's making himself known to us so that we can glorify him. And the way by which he did that is redemption through the gospel. Amen. Make sense? Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's pray. Mm-hmm. Father, we, we, we just... We just return to you right now before you, um, having gotten into your word and discussed what it said, Lord. And it's so cool to look into your word and see your word, quoting your word from years before. And your word quotes itself and it all ties together. It's so incredible. It's so incredible. And uh, oh, the, the moment when your eyes are opened. To, to God's word, to, to just God's presence being made known um, through general revelation and through the revelation of your word, Lord. Um, gosh, that, that moment is so, is so incredible and indescribable um, that you would make yourself known to us, these poor, helpless, fallen people who are blind captive to things that we submitted ourselves unto and yet all of that standing not just all of that still there you would come and make yourself known Lord through your son and that all of creation is just led up to what he came to do for us that we might see it understand it accept it um, and just get to live in, in your grace, Lord, by faith, and, uh, and, and that we would turn our lives, having done that, and give them to you to glorify you, Lord. Uh, that we would see the gospel, and it would lead us to glorify you because of, because of your redemptive power and purpose for us, Lord. I pray that we would do that every day, Lord, that your, your redemptive plan would fall fresh and heavy on us every day so that we can wake up every morning and just from the beginning be glorifying you um, because of who you are and in thankfulness for the plan that you have for us.
And we love you, Father, and we pray that you continue to just stir and move and grow your presence and fame amongst these people and others, Lord. We ask this just uh, in, in the power of Jesus Christ. Lord. In your name, amen.